So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts the podcast where we pick your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Welcome and happy holidays. This holiday season, we're excited to cover one of my favorite Christmas stories, The Grinch. (laughs) So today we'll be putting How the Grinch Stole Christmas on the Couch. Blast this Christmas music. It's joyful and triumphant. Jim Carrey is the, the, the Grinch. I must stop this Christmas from coming. From Universal Pictures. But what would I wear? And Imagine Entertainment. Forgot about the reindeer. Mr. Grinch, I myself am having some Yuletide doubts. Don't care. Maybe if you can reunite with the Who's and be a part of Christmas. Maybe if you can reunite with the Who's and be a part of Christmas. Grow up! The Grinch. Oh, somebody's fabulous! We are super excited to cover How the Grinch Stole Christmas. We know there are a few different versions of the Dr. Seuss Grinch story (laughs) that have been made into film adaptations, but we'll be covering the kind of live action version um, with Jim Carrey. So this is a 2000 Christmas comedy film directed by Ron Howard based on Dr. Seuss's 1957 book of the same name. It was actually Dr. Seuss's first book to be adapted into a full-length feature film, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And I don't know about our listeners, but when I think about The Grinch, I think of the original um, kind of cartoon version, and then they most recently adapted it into another cartoon version that's a little bit more updated with like fancier graphics and cartoon (laughs) characters. Yeah, I also love the original cartoon the most, I think. And then this one, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey is my second favorite. Nice. So the film is narrated by Anthony Hopkins and stars Jim Carrey as the Grinch. He is joined by his dog, Max. He comes down from his mountaintop home atop Mount Crumpet and sneaks into town to ruin Christmas for the Who's. However, his plans go awry when he encounters Cindy Lou Who, who is played by Taylor Momsen, um, who is questioning the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, so as we mentioned, we're especially excited to be covering How the Grinch Stole Christmas, or as we'll refer to it, The Grinch, um, because it can be a mouthful, Um, particularly because it's its 20th anniversary, which I don't know about you listeners or you, Dr. Fran, but does make me feel really old when I realize, like, oh, wow, like, I've now been watching this version for 20 years, so pretty incredible. Yeah, and I think I haven't watched it in a while when I kind of went back and looked (laughs) at it, and the, like, graphics and, you know, just kind of the um, quality of the film, I was like, this isn't an HD (laughs) Um, which kind of shows its age, right? (laughs) True, but I think it holds up. (laughs) And I watch it every year. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. And I also love to watch the little like 30-minute original cartoon. Um, I may or may not be able to recite the whole Dr. Seuss's version of the book. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's Dr. Sam's secret hidden skill. (laughs) One of many. (laughs) So who is the Grinch and why does he hate Christmas? Uh, These are two of the big questions throughout the movie. Um, You know, even the Grinch is kind of used colloquially now as like, oh, don't be a Grinch, kind of in the same way as like, don't be a Scrooge. Um, And there have actually been a lot of parallels made between um, the Grinch and kind of Charles Dickens Scrooge character and that kind of like person who hates Christmas and who's kind of grumbly and, you know, not very excited about the holiday season. Which interestingly, now that you mentioned that, Dr. Fran, um, Dr. Seuss, when he wrote the book, he famously said everyone sees the Grinch as a villain, but he actually sees the Grinch as the ultimate hero. The Grinch is really the hero of the story because he grows and he learns um, and he does at the end like kind of 
you know, save the day, so to speak. So I think you're right. We definitely call people a Grinch when we're saying they're being Scrooge-like or very anti-Christmas, whereas on the other hand, we could see Grinch as being the hero. That's a good point. Although, spoiler alert for those of our (laughs) listeners who don't know how the Grinch ends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the movie, this version of the movie has been around at least 20 years and the other one since the 60s. So I think we're in the clear for spoiler alerts. (laughs) I think I think so, too. So in this version of the movie, we are introduced to the Grinch by the narrator. Yes, every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. So the narrator's kind of giving us the overview of who the Grinch is. Um, and as Dr. Fran mentioned, this is commonly questioned throughout the movie. Um, at one point, Cindy Lou, whose dad is talking about the Grinch, and he's trying to explain who the Grinch is. And at one point, he even says, he's a, a what, Cindy Lou says. And dad says, exactly, he's a what. So there's definitely this like sense of otherness. No one really knows who the Grinch is, where he's from, so to speak. Um, and let's listen to why the narrator believes the Grinch doesn't like Christmas. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Top of the day. Now, please, don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. Hey, kids, here's a present for you. Be sure to run real fast with it now. Come on, double time. Let's go. Move, 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 It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. (laughs) It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. So we hear a lot of hypotheses about why the Grinch may not like Christmas. We learn a little bit more about the real reasons behind this a little bit later. But as we kind of hear about the Grinch trying to sabotage Christmas, he goes down into Whoville. He, you know, there's a funny scene where he's giving them all jury duty letters (laughs) and mixing the presents up. Kind of like juvenile pranks, right? Yes, nothing very too, much. Um, you know, <laughs> nothing too malicious, but still just trying to like cause havoc and, you know, mess things up for the who's. Um, and you're kind of wondering like, why? Is he just a jerk? Is he just mean spirited? Um, or is there something deeper going on? for why he's doing these things. Exactly. And we'll chat about that more as we progress, kind of what we think might be going on with the Grinch, psychologically speaking. But I do think that very early on, there's this sense that everyone is cheerful and excited because they love Christmas. And the Grinch, he's not there. He doesn't love Christmas. He's not happy. He's not excited. And so he's kind of trying to bring them down to his level, like kind of give them some misery through jury duty or kind of mixing up their mail and their packages. Jury duty, jury duty, jury duty, blackmail, pink slip, cane letter, eviction notice, jury. Um, And that brings him some small joy, it appears. And in this scene where he's trying to wreak havoc, this is when he's first introduced to Cindy Lou. You're the, 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 the Grinch! And Cindy Lou kind of is trying to connect with the Grinch, and at the end, he ends up saving her because she's kind of falling down the conveyor belt of mail, and she thanks him for saving her, but then the Grinch kind of realizes, oh, wait, I might have done a nice thing, and I can't be, like, remembered for this nice thing, so he kind of quickly, like, backsteps and is like, oh... I wasn't trying to save you. You were just like packaged incorrectly and kind of wraps her up and leaves and kind of flees the scene. Um, so very early on, we're seeing the Grinch trying to ruin Christmas and trying not to be seen as maybe a nicer character than he is thought to be. Yeah, and we kind of get this sense that he has this identity of being the Grinch or being this monster <laughs> or being this really mean-spirited person and that he doesn't want that image to be shattered or to be questioned um, and that there's something helpful to him in some way about having this image be portrayed to like everyone around him. Um, and Cindy Lou starts to question that and kind of like maybe sees through it or has some questions about like, you know, is he really all bad or maybe there's some good in him? And so we see that theme come up with Cindy Lou, who a lot, throughout the rest of the movie and she becomes a main character and I think probably one of the most known names of like Cindy Lou Who (laughs) as like a cartoon or like a kid's character from a movie yes very true and I think you're you hit the nail on the head so to speak like you know Cindy Lou's kind of starting to realize like kind of think what's going on with the Grinch it does seem like he's keeping everyone at an arm's length kind of trying to keep others away or for my Grinch fans out there Trying to keep them back with a 39 and a half foot pole. Well, I wouldn't touch you ever! 39 and a half foot pole! 
Um, but, you know, there could be a reason for that, right? Like, why is he keeping others away? And I think Cindy Lou sees that too. Like, you know, her whole thing is no one should be alone at Christmas. And so she starts to try to kind of bring the Grinch into the fold. And while this is occurring or after their kind of chance meeting, we do start to learn more about the Grinch's history and his origin story, so to speak. Um, and these details, they are added from the original story. So, you know, the original story, um, the children's book and the first cartoon are a lot shorter. So with this full feature film, we're able to kind of dive into that history a bit. Um, and I do think it's appropriate kind of for what we see of the Grinch of kind of what they've built as to what kind of might have happened to him when he was younger. And it's connected through the reason we're learning this is from the eyes of Cindy Lou Who, who is going around to all these people that had been in the Grinch's life and trying to figure out, like, why is he the way he is? There's got to be another explanation. And we learn that there may be an ex- another explanation. I hear you know some things about the Grinch. Cindy Lou had some questions in our curious heart. Why did the Grinch hate Christmas? Where did it all start? So we learn that he was delivered, as we see in a lot of <laughs> children's films, like almost, not by a stork exactly, but by this strange wind on Christmas Eve. And he gets blown in, but then gets stranded in a tree. And so poor baby has to sit there and watch everyone have a wonderful Christmas Eve while he sits in the cold outside. Where did he come from? Oh, well, <laughs> it was Christmas Eve and a strange wind blew that night. <laughs> We were having our annual holiday get-together. It was morning before anybody realized that he was out there. The poor dear. Yeah, and it does seem, I don't know, like, I got the sense, like, he was unexpected, right? Like, they kind of show he gets, like, bounced and maybe comes from somewhere or ends up somewhere he's not supposed to be. It doesn't seem like the two women who raise him are expecting him, right? They're just, like, kind of partying and then find him in the morning. So he definitely kind of spends his first night cold and alone, neglected there on Christmas Eve. Um, But the two women, they take him in, they raise him, they kind of say that he was special from the beginning, um, you know, and that they loved him or tried to kind of give him a good home. But we see that he had some struggles in childhood because he does look different from the rest of the Who's. He was a wonderful whatever he was. Yeah, so he's bullied a lot at school for how he looks and kind of picked on, like his hair, having like um, facial hair at eight years old, being green, (laughs) shedding. Um, And as we see with a lot of like eight-year-olds or like elementary school kids, he has a little bit of a crush and that, you know, it's kind of used against him or, you know, makes him a little bit more vulnerable to some of the teasing and bullying that's going on. You don't have a chance with her. You're eight years old and you have a beard. (laughs) Especially because it seems like he has a crush on one of the other main characters in Whoville, but the mayor. And if the truth be told, he, um, he liked Martha. Martha was my girlfriend when the mayor's a child, he, they have a crush on the same girl. And so the mayor really kind of picks on the Grinch and kind of leads the bullying, I think. Um, and we do see the Grinch for Christmas. He makes a special gift for his crush, and he really wants to have a positive day. He wants to fit in, so he does try to shave so that he doesn't look as furry or hairy. Um, and then this leads to just further taunting when the other kids see that he shaved and kind of gave himself little cuts and tried to shave. Look at that hack job! And that's the last we really see of the Grinch we hear. That from then on, he ran away to Mount Crumpet. And this is like as an eight-year-old little baby Grinch. He just ran away and lived in this mountain alone for the rest of his life. So, whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood outside his cave, hating the Who's. Yeah, super realistic. (laughs) He's a Grinch. He could do it. He eats glass. I thought that scene was pretty sad because even the teacher gets in on it. She's like laughing at the Grinch too. And it's like, well, you should definitely be be setting a better example for these children and not making fun of the Grinch just because he's different. Um, and this is a, a, actually another common theme in Dr. Seuss's work, like star-bellied sneetches, just treating people um, differently because they are different, you know, and how that is frowned upon and what kind of negative consequences that can have. So we definitely see that with the Grinch. 
Yeah. And as Cindy Lou and the, you know, viewer of the movie learn more about the Grinch, we start <laughs> to kind of, you know, think, you know, it kind of feeds into what she already believes about the Grinch. Is that like, okay, maybe he's not all bad. Maybe there's something more to him. Like maybe if we kind of keep working and kind of like get to know him a little bit more and kind of get him more involved, like he can get that Christmas spirit back or he can kind of get more involved with who's and he doesn't have to live alone on Mount Crumpet anymore. So she, <laughs> you know, shockingly and, um, nominates him to be the holiday cheermeister. I nominate the Grinch! Even though this is, you know, really frowned upon and not uh, very well received by a lot of people in the town, especially the mayor, who clearly has kind of an axe to grind with the Grinch. It's their hoovalation, and so they think, you know, bringing the Grinch anywhere near the hoovalation is... A no, no, he's going to definitely ruin it. Um, but Cindy Lou is pretty persistent. She's, you know, she says that we shouldn't judge people by the way that they look. And really, the holiday cheermeister is supposed to go to the soul that needs it the most. And she really thinks that's the Grinch. So Cindy Lou is able to convince the other who's to let the Grinch be the cheermeister. Um, but then she has an even perhaps more difficult challenge in trying to convince the Grinch <laughs> to be the cheermeister. Yeah. And I think this is a good side note to, um, kind of acknowledge like how intense Christmas and the holidays are for the who's. And we'll kind of talk about this a little bit later, but kind of like very important to them is like this time of year and the hubilation and the decorations and the feast. And, you know, we just get this sense that like this is super important. And that's what Cindy Lou, who's kind of struggling with a little bit is like, you know, this is super intense and like, there's all this stress and all this pressure. And like, is this really what Christmas is about? Or is there something more to it? And that is kind of what's leading her on this path to try to get the cringe to be more involved and kind of involved in that Christmas spirit. Exactly. She's trying to figure out what it's about, what's going to make her feel happy with the holidays. Um, And she goes on this quest to include the Grinch to also hopefully cheer him up this holiday season. I think it's really cute. There's like um, a part in the movie where they say like, you know, helping the Grinch will help her with her own Yuletide doubts. So they're kind of on this parallel journey together. And Cindy Lou does end up asking the Grinch to be the cheermeister. At first, he tries to scare her away. He's screaming things at her, trying to make her afraid of him as he's used to. You know, people end up on Mount Crumpet and he just kind of scares them off. Run for your life before I kill again! I'm a psycho. But we know Cindy Lou's not going anywhere. Um, But then after he learns that he's won and that... On the flip side, that also means other people have lost. He's very excited about that. (laughs) He starts to worry about what being the cheermeister means and what he has to do to be the cheermeister. Let's actually listen to a little bit about the Grinch trying to decide whether or not he should be the cheermeister. All right. I'll swing by for a minute. Allow them to envy me. Grab a handful of popcorn shrimp and blow out of there. But what if it's a cruel prank? What if it's a cash bar? How dare they? All right, I'll go. But I'll be fashionably late. No, yes, no, yes. No, yes! Definitely not. All right, I've made my decision. I'm going, and that's that. Ah, had my fingers crossed. I think one thing we hear there is a little bit of concern or some worry or anxiety, which will come back to this when we talk about like what's going on with the Grinch overall. But we hear him like worrying that maybe this is a prank. I mean, you can understand where he's coming from when he's had the history that he's had with the Who's of like assuming that this might be a negative thing. Like, are they, you know, these people have not cared to try to get to know him for years and years and years. And all of a sudden they're allegedly inviting him to be their (laughs) cheermeister. Like that seems pretty fishy. Definitely. And then he's concerned, you know, about what they're going to think of him. He starts to ponder, like, what should I wear? I'm going to look stupid. They're going to think this or that about me. Um, So he really kind of finds himself in this cycle of thinking, like, what should he wear? What should he do? Should he go? He's really about to back out. And then Max (laughs) pulls a lever and sends him down a chute to go to the Hoovalation to be the cheermeister. So he really doesn't even have a chance to make the final decision in a way. (laughs) Yeah. Although he ends up really enjoying himself uh, for the majority of the time. Like, he's... you know, really seeing that like, who's really embrace him and, you know, start to have, I mean, there's the part where they're like shoving Christmas pudding and stuff in his face, yeah. which looks miserable. <laughs> but other than that, he seems to kind of enjoy having that like human connection and people, you know, giving him attention in a positive way instead of a negative way all the time. Um, but unfortunately, it does not turn out the best at the end of the hubilation. Yes, because again, the mayor, so the same 
who that he had troubles with when he was a youth comes back and gifts him a razor, kind of mocking that incident that happened when they were young and saying like he's giving him the gift of a Christmas shave. So not surprisingly, the Grinch starts to find himself having flashbacks to that bullying incident when everyone was laughing at him and when he ran away um, and he becomes really upset. Yeah, and it really kind of like we've used, we use that word like trigger, um, you know, kind of related to like a trauma reaction or like a memory or something like that. It kind of like triggers that um, emotional response in those flashbacks. And then he just gets really upset and angry and goes on kind of a rant about like why Christmas is so terrible. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's always been about. Gifts. Gifts. Gifts, 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 gifts. gifts. You want to know what happens to your gifts? They all come to me. In your garbage. You see what I'm saying? In your garbage! I could hang myself with all the bad Christmas neckties I found at the dump. And the avarice. The avarice never ends! I want golf clubs, I want diamonds, I want a pony so I can ride it twice, get bored, and sell it to make glue! Look, I don't want to make waves, but this whole Christmas season is stupid, stupid, stupid! And similarly to what we hear the Grinch saying, you know, it seems like the Who's really only care about presents. And he says all of the presents end up on Mount Crumpet anyway in the garbage. And he seems to be, like, kind of wrestling with the same thing as Cindy Lou. It's like all you people really care about are the materialistic aspects of Christmas. Um, and this is all pretty phony. Which, on the outside, it's he's not wrong, right, about, yeah. like, the Who's. And, you know, again, we'll kind of get back to that later. But, you know, some of what he's saying is, like, his observation of how the Who's you know, act around Christmas time and the holiday time and just the big deal they make about kind of like the, you know, the gift giving and how big is the tree and, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of all these things. And he's like, where's the real meaning behind all this? Exactly. Like the house decorations and Cindy Lou the whole time is trying to have conversations with people like, what does Christmas mean? And everyone's ignoring her because they're in a rush to buy gifts. And so this is something that we see pop up and the Grinch really exposes this. And so in response to this whole incident, we see the Grinch's plans to ruin Christmas really escalate. So he's not just going to give everyone jury duty this year, but he is going to make a much bigger, badder plan um, to ruin Christmas. So we see the Grinch. He actually burns down the tree. He kind of just like creates havoc running around like Whoville. And then he goes up to Mount Crumpet. Um, And while he's up on Mount Crumpet, he calls it like the noise, noise. So the noise, 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 noise. They're still like in a hustle, like Christmas is four hours away. They don't really seem deterred. And this is where the Grinch says he comes up with a wonderful, awful idea. Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. So his master plan to ruin Christmas, um, in which he will steal Christmas away from the Who's. And when we say Christmas here, when the Grinch thinks of Christmas, he equates it to all those decorations, all those foods, all those presents. He's going to take it away. Yeah, and so he develops his master plan. He goes in his workshop. He ends up going out to Whoville and trying to steal. He (laughs) successfully steals pretty much all the presents and trees and everything. There is a little run-in that he does have with Cindy Lou Who. She just is kind of always around the corner for the Grinch when he's in Whoville. Um, And kind of runs into her and he, you know, is kind of scrambling and he pretends to be Santa Claus. So she doesn't know that he's the Grinch, but they have this little interaction. And at the end of it, you know, she says, Santa? What? Don't forget the Grinch. I know he's mean and hairy and smelly. His hands might be cold and clammy, but I think he's actually kind of sweet. And, you know, you can kind of see that that has an impact on him of like, here's the Grinch stealing everyone's Christmas away. And then there's Cindy Lou, who still, even after he has kind of gone and burned down the tree and made this big mess of the whole town earlier that day, still asking Santa to like, don't forget the Grinch, like he should also have a good Christmas. And Cindy Lou also compliments him. She says, you know, like, people think the Grinch isn't so nice, but I actually think he's pretty sweet. And you can see that that, you know, that nice sentiment from Cindy Lou really resonates with the Grinch. He's like, you think he's sweet? And he's kind of really taking it in. Um, And this is right after, just Dr. Fran mentioned, he's kind of reaffirmed to Cindy Lou that, yes, the the reason behind Christmas or the the whole purpose of Christmas is, in fact, gifts. Santa, what's Christmas really about? Vengeance! (laughs) Er, I mean... 
presence, I suppose. And so Cindy Lou, she's kind of despondent and upset by that, but she's still thinking about the Grinch. And so, you know, it's probably a new and different feeling for the Grinch, knowing that someone is out there thinking about him and who cares about him. So the climax of the Grinch, you know, (laughs) at this point, we think everyone has seen this movie or at least knows the story. So he successfully steals Christmas only to find what happens Christmas morning. His plans were not successful to steal Christmas. (laughs) But again, we do see that like Cindy Lou Who plays a big role in this. So, um, you know, a lot of people are like all in disarray. They're really upset. Christmas has been stolen. It's ruined. And then it's Cindy Lou and her dad who really kind of draw everyone's attention to like, you know, Christmas and present, like presents and, you know, feasts and all the like material things are not what Christmas is about. It's about being together and kind of having, you know, this connection. You can't hurt Christmas, Mr. Mayor, because it isn't about the, the gifts or the contests or the fancy lights. That, that's what Cindy's been trying to tell everyone. Well, I don't need anything more for Christmas than this right here. My family. Um, and so then they break out into spontaneous song, um, which is what the which is what the Grinch hears from up on the top of Mount Crumpet. And usually, when the Grinch hears the music from Whoville, he gets upset. He calls it noise. He tries to bang his head, anything to not hear the Whoville noise of happiness. Um, but this time, something else happens. He starts to feel something. It feels painful at first, and then confusing. But his heart is indeed growing. Yes! Help me! I'm feeling! So, you know, he, he he's confused by this, but he comes to the realization that Christmas is about something else, not just the presents. It's about more than just that. And I feel like this is, in every version of The Grinch, like always such an impactful scene when he realizes perhaps that Christmas is about a little bit more. I really love that part. Maybe Christmas... He thought. Doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas. Perhaps. Means a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the classic scene of like, then his heart grows two sizes bigger (laughs) and he experiences physiological emotion for the first time. And Max finally gets the like love and appreciation that he has deserved the whole movie. (laughs) And then he gets to carve the roast beast. So it all comes to fruition with him rejoining the Who's with Cindy Lou, celebrating Christmas, and it kind of seems like there might be, you know, a change in the Grinch's life as he does seem to be more accepted and more willing to spend time with the Who's. So we can only hope that next Christmas is more positive for the Grinch. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of gives us hope for, you know, his general trajectory or kind of what's been going on with him. I think it's very easy from the beginning of the movie to assume he's like a psychopath or he has no feelings or, you know, like we've talked about on the podcast before, like antisocial personality disorder. Like if you Google the Grinch and (laughs) psychological diagnoses, that's one of the ones you're going to see that comes up. But what we see with the end of the movie is that there's like this redemption or that there's this ability for him to feel and to have those connections. But there have been things in his life that maybe have made that difficult for him over the years. And he is slowly kind of learning how to do that again. Exactly. So when Dr. Fran and I think about what might be going on with the Grinch from a psychological perspective, one of the first things that came to our mind were attachment difficulties. So we have talked a little bit about this on the in the past on the podcast, um, especially as it related to Goodwill Hunting. Um, we talked about attachment in that regard. Um, but with the We'll review it again in terms of the Grinch. So attachment theory involves the way that people or Grinches form intimate and emotional bonds with others. Um, so this, you know, happens at a very young age from childbirth. We're really developing attachment styles, as they're called, and that's the way that we connect and bond with others. So as a child, if your needs were met right away or quickly or easily by caregivers consistently, you most likely developed what is called a secure attachment style. And as an adult, this would likely lead to someone feeling more secure in close relationships and friendships. They would have better trust with others um, and feel like other people are reliable and that they can have those kind of positive, safe relationships. 
Yeah. And then on the flip side, we might see with someone like the Grinch, if for some reason the caregiver or the environment failed to give them, like kind of have the child meet their needs um, or was slow to do so. I mean, one night, I don't think we're typically going to think of as like something that's going to completely alter the course (laughs) of someone's attachment trajectory like we see in the Grinch. But we can kind of see that that like neglect or that inability to provide that like closeness or those like psychological needs from an early age can have someone develop an insecure attachment style. And then we do often see this carry into adulthood where it's hard to form intimate bonds with others. It's hard to trust others um, as they get close to you. And we definitely see that with the Grinch that, you know, these relationships that he's had in childhood dating all the way back to his like first day being alive and being in Whoville that, you know, as an adult, he now has a harder time forming those close relationships and trusting the motivations of others. Exactly. And for the Grinch, like while that one night, you know, on Christmas Eve alone, might not be enough to kind of push someone to a more insecure type attachment style. I do think that probably what was most um, significant for the Grinch was when he ran away. So people that have insecure attachment styles, they might push people away almost as a little bit of a test. Like I might push you away or I might kind of grow this distance to see what happens. And then if you reaffirm that belief that you are going to go away, you're not going to stay and you let me push you away, that's just kind of proving I'm right. You don't want to be with me. You don't want to care for me. You don't care about me. Um, And I think with the Grinch, when he ran away to Mount Crumpet, he was only eight years old. And the town was just like, okay, I guess that's where baby Grinch lives now on Mount Crumpet all alone. Even his caregivers, like, it doesn't seem like anyone ever tried to reach out until Cindy Lou Who. Um, And then when he comes to the Whovalation, I also thought it was weird that then the caregivers, they like are all excited and happy to see him again. But it's like, well, you waited how long to connect with this poor Grinch? So I do think he probably had has that insecure style because he did live alone for so long and felt neglected or, you know, kind of felt like no one cared about him. Yeah, I think those are good points. And I think it's important to note that insecure attachment is not like a diagnosis or is something that we talk about a lot, especially with kind of child development and especially in relation to like trauma or neglect that those things can come up. Um, If we are thinking about diagnoses wise, we wouldn't be able to diagnose the Grinch, baby (laughs) Grinch with this. But something we could think about is a diagnosis called reactive attachment disorder. And this is um, the way to meet criteria is there has to be a pattern of, you know, neglect or abuse or something that's gone on in a really critical period of development. And this can only be diagnosed in young kids. And it has to be, I believe, before age five that it can be diagnosed. Um, And basically that the need, basic needs for comfort, affection, and nurturing haven't been met in a stable environment. And then those attachments haven't been um, solidified. And as a result, children can have inhibited or emotionally withdrawn behavior. They're not very emotionally responsive. They don't have a lot of positive affect or emotions. They can be extra irritable or sad. Um, and we do see that some of those patterns can carry into adulthood. Again, like we talked about with like insecure attachment, also those patterns can carry into adulthood if not appropriately addressed earlier on. And so some of those patterns that we can see carry on into adulthood, um, some are similar in what we might expect to see in children, but we do see that detachment from others, which we definitely see from the Grinch. You know, he um, tries to present as being perfectly satisfied, just being detached from all the other who's living on Mount Crumpet alone. We see that withdrawal from connections. Um, so even the connections he had beforehand, like some people that he was close to, he just withdraws from those. Um, we can also see the inability to maintain significant relationships, either romantic or platonic, um, and an inability to show affection. And so the Grinch has been alone for so long, I could see that that could be something that might be difficult for him. And I think, again, we see that since this is from age eight, he's gone the majority of his life with not having relationships and this being the norm and kind of getting comfortable with that. And so it's safer and easier for him not to have those relationships because they've been so hurtful for him in the past and haven't been reliable. And so we can kind of see that like his responses to people in current day are like somewhat adaptive. He's trying to protect himself. And it's not until he realizes that like Cindy Lou and some of these other people can be trusted that he's able to kind of safely let them back in. Yes, and we see that kind of come through with like difficulties with anger and impulsivity. So when he kind of does have that triggering memory at the Whovalation, he burns down the tree. He really kind of like acts out um, towards the Who's that have upset him. Um, he does present as very distrustful of those around him. So even with Cindy Lou, you know, she's kind of continuously showing up saying positive things and it takes him a while to even warm to her. Uh, but she's kind of the gateway into kind of hopefully establishing other relationships um, with the Who's. And then 
we see that it can lead to inability to fully grasp emotions. We definitely see that with the Grinch. One of my favorite scenes is when the Grinch is like, what is happening? Like, I'm leaking and I have this like warm feeling and he's confused and he screams to Max that he loves him because he, it's like, you know, of course exaggerated, but he hasn't really understood his emotions and they're kind of all flooding in. What's happening to me? I'm all toasty inside. And I'm leaking. Oh, man. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Uh, because before that, he had a lot of more empty feelings, a lack of sense of belonging, which we can also expect to see in adults who have had difficulties with attachment um, when they were younger. Yeah, so I think this helps explain a lot of what's going on with the Grinch, and not even just kind of what happened to him in childhood and his relationships, but we also see a few other things going on with the Grinch that could be related to some of these like attachment-related difficulties in childhood. <laughs> So for example, we do see a little bit of social anxiety or isolation with the Grinch. Yes. And so there actually is a disorder called social anxiety disorder. Um, and so there are symptoms related to having a social anxiety disorder. I'm not sure if the Grinch necessarily meets all the criteria because we kind of have to have a talk with the Grinch to kind of get a better sense of what kind of thoughts and feelings he's experiencing. Um, but the overall idea of social anxiety um, or social anxiety disorder, because you can also just have social anxiety that perhaps might not meet the clinical threshold, are having worries about embarrassing or humiliating yourself, having an intense fear of interacting or talking with others or strangers, um, being afraid that other people are going to notice that you're anxious. This can also come with physical signs of anxiety. So, you know, blushing, sweating, trembling, having a shaking voice, kind of feeling like your hands are shaking. Um, and then one of the biggest things that I do think we really see with the Grinch is avoiding. So avoiding situations where you might be the center of attention, avoiding situations where you would have to interact with others or have to participate in an activity or an event that scares you. And I do think we see a lot of avoidance with the Grinch. I feel like that's partly why he stays away from the Who's and stays up on Mount Crumpet because he he does seem to be anxious and kind of worries about what's going to happen if he were to interact with the Who's. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And we've talked about already the clip where he's trying to decide whether he should go or not. And mm -hmm. we do hear that some of that anxiety is about like, what should I wear? What, what would I wear? It's not a dress, it's a kilt! Stupid. Ugly. Out of date. This is ridiculous. If I can't find something nice to wear, I'm not going! You know, kind of like some of those worries could come up. I think it's a little bit tricky because it's that flip side of, you know, is it hesitation to interact with others because he's anxious about how they're going to judge him or perceive mm -hmm. him or because he's worried that they're going to hurt him um, because of these negative experiences. Exactly. And so we can see that social anxiety can develop as a product of these negative experiences in childhood. They don't always have to go hand in hand, but they can be related. I think that's a great point. I think that's why, you know, if we were to have a conversation with the Grinch, we'd kind of get a better idea. Like, is his overall worry that he is going to be judged or people will have negative perceptions of him? That might make us think it. he tends to fit more in with social anxiety versus is he having thoughts or ideas that these people might hurt him based on his past experiences? And it doesn't mean he has to have only one. I definitely think they could be related. Um, importantly with the Grinch, we also can see that social anxiety is an associated with what we call negative self-talk and isolation. So we definitely hear the Grinch, you know, kind of talk about self-loathing, saying a lot of negative things to himself. Inviting me down now on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. Four thirty, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. Five thirty, jazzercise. Six thirty, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. Seven o'clock, wrestle with myself, loathing. I'm booked. And as we've talked about pretty extensively, he is very isolated. So those might be two clues that there could be some social anxiety at least going on. 
And I think talking about isolation and negative self-talk brings up another potential diagnosis or thing to think about, which is depression. So that's another one I saw, you know, Dr. Sam and I will typically come up with our own ideas, but then also Google whatever character we're talking about and psychology diagnosis to just see if other people have ideas. And so that was a big one that came up. It honestly wasn't something I thought was as relevant for the Grinch because we have so much explained by you know, the attachment related and his history and some of the social pieces. But we do see that he has low mood. Mm -hmm. He has that isolation and social withdrawal. He does seem kind of hopeless sometimes. And he definitely has those negative thoughts about himself. So again, it's kind of sometimes tricky of like, is this also depression? Or is this kind of a product of some of the other things that are going on? Is it both? Is it a combination? It can get a little bit tricky. These can definitely be tricky because the Grinch doesn't necessarily and people don't necessarily have one or the other. Um, people can definitely have both. They can be very difficult to tease apart and they can be related. Um, I think you're exactly right with the Grinch. We see that irritable mood and low mood. I think that those could be clues related to perhaps having a depressed mood. He for sure has a sense of hopelessness. He even makes comments about like staring into the abyss and, you know, just kind of saying some really... Um, what could be perceived as like dramatic and just very negative kind of thoughts and ideas. Um, so I would, you know, if the Grinch were to walk into my office, I'd be concerned and at least, you know, kind of screen for some depression um, just based on him being so lonely um, and based on some of the things that we've seen that he has experienced. So... <laughs> Yeah. I think another fun point to make is obviously we don't see therapy portrayed in no. The Grinch as we might <laughs> typically see in some of the other movies and TV shows we cover. But a lot of the things that he does and that is facilitated by Cindy Lou are things that are really helpful for someone with his presentation. So one for like the attachment related issues, really trying to form, you know, more stable, positive relationships so we can kind of build up more of those interpersonal skills and that safe and trust. We also see with social anxiety, a big intervention for that is exposure yeah. So actually getting him to go and intervene with the, you know, interact with people, especially in big groups, that can be really overwhelming. Um, so he's actually doing a lot of the things, you know, on his own or like with Cindy Lou's help that he ends up, um, you know, being something that maybe we would recommend as part of treatment. I agree. And I think the Grinch is pretty resilient, right? Because we see he runs off to Mount Crumpet when he's younger. Um, he then goes down for the huvulation. That backfires. It does not go well. So even as an exposure, so like if he was our patient and we had the Grinch practice like, oh, go hang out with the Who's. It's not going to be that bad. And then that's what happened. You're thinking like, oh, shoot, that's as bad as it could have gone. Like you blew up their Christmas tree, right? And they were really rude to you. So, um, but despite that, after he hears them singing at Christmas, he goes down again and he tries again, even after the previous negative experiences and difficult experiences he has had. So I do think he's pretty resilient. Um, I think that he's like, you know, he seems pretty motivated to try. Um, and that's another reason why I know at the beginning, you mentioned Dr. Fran, that some people have speculated that the Grinch might be a quote unquote psychopath or have anti social personality disorder that we've chatted about in the past. But I do think with the Grinch, we see an interest in connecting with others. So even though he struggled and it's difficult for him, there is that interest. Um, and we do see him display some empathy um, and remorse, right, for his actions. Like after he steals Christmas, he quickly regrets that. Um, so those are some of the reasons why, at least for me, when I think of the Grinch, I don't necessarily think he falls into those buckets. I kind of more, as we've discussed, kind of see the attachment difficulties, things that the potential depression. Um, and I do think that some of the things he's doing, like even without treatment recommendations, are right in line with what we might recommend or want to see. I would also add that his relationship with Max, I think, is also a positive coping, right? It's the only person he really talks to. He cares for Max. And I think that that's also like a positive coping strategy for him. Yeah, I definitely agree. So he's on the right track, which is good, even though he hasn't gotten therapy. Definitely. Yeah. And I don't know if there are who psychologists or therapists. Who knows? <laughs> so I think I would actually love for you to share, Dr. Sam. We had talked a little bit about some of the like themes of like commercialization of Christmas. And before we got online, you were actually telling some interesting backstory about how the story of the Grinch was created. Yes, so I have read, I guess, the lore, the legend of the creation of the Grinch is that um, Dr. Seuss, as he is known, looked into the mirror the day after Christmas and kind of saw his own reflection, his own appearance, and kind of introspectively thought that he looked Grinch-like and started questioning much
much like Cindy Lou, kind of the motivations and what's going on with Christmas. And so apparently he sat down that day and wrote The Grinch. Um, and it is supposed to be, you know, kind of a critique on the materialistic and commercialized nature of Christmas and hoping to have people kind of take that step back and think about what is important, what is the true meaning of Christmas. And again, kind of seeing the Grinch as the real hero, as the character who is able to grow um, along his journey in the story of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. So I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I'm a big Dr. Seuss fan, just for his creativity. You know, I think the stories are clever and cute. Um, but also, I think he puts a lot of thought into kind of these bigger meanings. And so I think the Grinch one is really nice and that in such a simple way, he's able to elicit such emotion from the readers or in this case um, the viewers so I think it's a really nice story um, both the way the story was created and the Grinch story itself (laughs) yeah and I think that brings up two big things we wanted to kind of mention as we start to wrap up this episode one being that we acknowledge that even though Christmas and the holidays is you know oftentimes made up to be this big really exciting fun (laughs) loving um, joyful time it can also be really stressful for a lot of people Um, so stressful in fact that the American Psychological Association actually has a whole page on their website dedicated to resources about managing holiday stress so we can put a link to that for our website for our listeners who find the holiday stressful they have you know, articles on addressing difficult family conversations, financial stress, expectations, gift giving, (laughs) just all those different pieces that can come up during the holidays that bring up stress, even though it's ideally supposed to be a joyful, happy time, but it isn't always. So interesting because I also came across the Mayo Clinic who also has kind of like a coping resource of ways to kind of continue to have a healthy lifestyle and kind of manage stress during the holiday time. Um, I think one of the biggest contributing factors to this is that you know, expectations, right? So um, a lot of people, like as you might say, Christmas should be happy, should be a time of joy, should be fun. Um, I think that that can lead to a lot of um, almost like a disconnect if you're not feeling happy, if you're not feeling joyful, if you're feeling stressed, if you're going through a difficult time and everyone around you is kind of in this mismatched state, that can be really challenging. Um, on top of that, you know, you have just additional stressors like financial stress of gift giving or traveling or, you know, hosting people, sometimes just spending a significant amount of time, you know, family dynamics and conversations can be stressful, the expectations. So it can be a challenging time. Of course, you know, we're happy if others are enjoying Christmas, but we also want to acknowledge that for some, it can be challenging. It can be a difficult time. There are resources and coping strategies to help. um, And that I think we see this in the Grinch too, right? So Cindy Lou, in her way, that's what she's struggling with. Everyone around her is excited and shopping and planning. And she's just kind of thinking like, what is it all for? What does it all mean? Boy, nothing beats Christmas, right? I guess. I guess. <laughs> well, it's just I look around at you and Mom and everyone getting on kebabble. Doesn't it seem superfluous? She has a lot of doubts and she's confused. And I think that, you know, even if you're not a who, if you're just a human you can experience that during this time as well. Yeah, I think all really good points. And I think the last thing I wanted to kind of mention was just kind of acknowledging that obviously the Grinch is focused on one specific holiday during this time of year, which is Christmas. (laughs) And obviously there's a tendency in the United States to focus on Christmas as the only holiday that is happening during this time frame. We also want to acknowledge that not everyone celebrates Christmas and that there are a lot of other holidays during this time. Um, and that, you know, for these purposes of today's episode, we've covered Christmas as it relates to how it's covered in the Grinch. Um, but we kind of want to acknowledge that there are a lot of other th- holidays and events going on during this time um, other than Christmas that are important as well. Exactly. So happy holidays broadly um, to all those that are celebrating whatever holiday it may be. Well, I think that brings us to our overall impressions of The Grinch. So, Dr. Fran, what did you think of The Grinch overall? So I will have to say this version is not my favorite of the adaptations of The Grinch. I think the original is my favorite. I haven't seen the newest one. Um, I imagine I would kind of like that one as well. But I think just there's something classic about the original in its like 30-minute cartoon form. That probably because it was like more nostalgic to me. Um, But I mean, I think it's a cute story. It's very heartwarming. It's got some really funny scenes. This is actually a fun fact I didn't realize till we were doing the recording today. Anthony Hopkins is the narrator and I think he is maybe our first repeat actor or actress that we've covered on the podcast oh interesting so if you've been following along 
he was also the lead in Silence of the Lambs, which is very different <laughs> than The Cringe. Very different. So that's just kind of like bringing it back um, and kind of fun. And actually, while I was watching it this time around, I had to Google all of the characters and like the actors that play them. And it was really interesting because they look nothing like oh, yeah. themselves with like the makeup and, you know, the prosthetics that I'm sure they have for their noses. So that's just kind of like a fun side thing next time you watch this movie to go Google. It's like some really interesting people that you'll recognize that you're like, oh, I did not recognize that person in the movie. <laughs> so what about you, Dr. Sam? Uh, I think I've alluded to some of my thoughts and feelings. I think overall I'm a big fan of Dr. Seuss, and I do just love the story of the Grinch. Um, I agree with Dr. Fran. The original is my favorite. I love the book as well um, and the original art. Um, but I, I think the Jim Carrey one, when I think about who else could have played the Grinch, I don't think there is anyone else. Like Jim Carrey is very talented at that kind of like physical comedy and that kind of like hyperbolic character making. And I really do love stories that just kind of bring you to a different world. I really like, you know, the hair and makeup, the costume design. Like, I feel like it really transported you. Um, I think it added some details to the original story, but I wasn't mad about it. Like, sometimes I can be kind of like, ugh, why did you add that? Or that's kind of stupid. Um, but I feel like a lot of the choices they made um, made sense or advanced the story or helped them to tell it in their own way. So I am a fan. I do like to watch this one. I, you know, of course, the cartoon is my favorite. But I, I do like this How the Grinch Stole Christmas um, adaptation as well would you say this is your favorite christmas movie or holiday movie so the grinch generally is one of my favorite christmas stories i also love like grinch ornaments and grinch everything and i also love it's a wonderful life which was also in contention for our discussion today because also has a lot of like relevant psych related themes so those are two of my favorite christmas movies um or holiday movies what about you dr brand I think Elf, I would have to say, is my favorite. I could have <laughs> I know it's so, <laughs> so typical. <laughs> it was on the other day. It's so good. <laughs> I do love Zoe Deschanel. I love Zoe Deschanel. I think it's one of, I personally think it's one of Will Ferrell's best movies because it's funny, but in a like more classy way than some of his other <laughs> movies. That's true. Um, so. It's definitely different. One of my favorite Will Ferrell movies is Stranger Than Fiction, and I think we should cover that one in the future, too. Well, now we're just getting on a tangent, but if we do cover Elf or Stranger Than Fiction in the future, he'll be a repeat actor. <laughs> that is true. I have been, I've been eyeing it. I'm like, when are we going to have our first repeat actor or actress? So when I saw Anthony Hopkins' name, I, want, name I wanted to throw it out. <laughs> All right, before we digress too much, <laughs> we will wrap up our session for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Don't forget to check out our website for resources and a glossary of new terms. Let us know your thoughts on How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which one your favorite is, what other holiday movies you really enjoy. We'd also love to hear any questions you have about psychology and what movies or TV shows for us to put on our couch after the holidays. And with that, happy holidays. We will return in the new year covering the first season of Netflix's The Queen's Gambit. So be looking forward to that one. We don't have any PH Don'ts or DSM-5 today because The Grinch was a little more loose, so we'll be coming back to some of those topics with The Queen's Gambit. Um, we look forward to seeing you then. You have plenty of time to binge watch the first season between now and our episode launch in January or February. So find and follow us on social media to stay up to date on when our next episodes are going to be released. It also is a perfect time over the holidays if you're traveling to catch up on some of our old episodes. You can find those on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon, creative director, Eric, and webmaster, Don. Da hoo door. <laughs> <laughs>